One game down, two more to play in the preseason. The Chiefs saw action for the first time in 2021 on Saturday night against the San Francisco 49ers, and overall, it was a positive showing. Patrick Mahomes didn't get hurt. The new offensive line had some very good moments. The defensive line played well, and the Chiefs put together a late drive to win the game. We cover it all on today's Sportsbeat KC with beat writer Sam McDowell and columnist Vahe Gregorian. It's Monday, August 16th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Who were the standouts and who could have been better? We give you our thoughts, so let's get started. So none of us were at the game, but uh, Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, we're going to talk about the Chiefs preseason opener against the San Francisco 49ers. I think a good place to start is um, the Chiefs had eight starters who were not with the team a year ago, including four rookies. We know the entire offensive line was new. So there was a there, there was a sense of, of newness to this. And um, Sam, uh, let's let, let's start by saying or ask by, by me asking you what. What were your expectations for the Chiefs coming into this thing? Did did you think we were going to see the starters play a little more than we did? No, I mean, I think other than Patrick Mahomes, we saw the starters play kind of according to plan, you know, almost that full first quarter, at least the first couple of drives. I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw two passes. I guess maybe I expected him to throw more than that just because I expected the, the first drive to last longer than that. But otherwise, I think it kind of played out as, as according to plan, really. Okay. Um, and before we finish talking, we'll, we'll, we'll mention what we expect to happen in the next two preseason games in terms of participation. But um, I'll tell you, the, we, we kind of got on the first snap what we were looking for, didn't we? Um, but, but let me back up. I thought it was interesting. The Chiefs won the toss and elected to defer, take the ball in the second half. I mean, they could have given the offensive line and, and Patrick Mahomes – um, you know, got them on the field before, uh, you know, 10-minute mark. But, um, but, but anyway, the, 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 the defense took the field first and uh, held San Francisco to a punt. Chiefs get on the field. You're right, Mahomes completes the one pass to Travis Kelsey. But the first play was Mahomes under, under center and a power play with that offensive line. I know Vahe and I were watching the game together. That was pretty impressive stuff, Vahe. It was, but back to, first back to your point about winning the toss and deferring. Um, it kind of gave you the sense right then that they were uh, more concerned about communication points than, than maximizing Mahomes' snaps. Um, but uh, you're right. We watched that play, and uh, Sam, I think you retweeted this later, but I, I, I saw Mitchell Schwartz's comment on the play too. Interesting that he was watching the game and pointing out that the backside blocking is really what um, made the play, but without being so uh, in the weeds, it was a nice statement on on the first play with the new offensive line and Blair to take that a step further while we were watching in the, uh, the, the dim, uh, dim glow of the newsroom. um, It, it was maybe that play, the, the, uh, the run on third and two from the eight uh, later when Henny was in, maybe that was as much of a statement uh, too, that, that, you know, let's see what we're about and whether that's something that, that uh, they want to have in their um, repertoire in a, in a different way. Yeah. So both plays are pretty, I, I thought 
if, if you had to pick out two significant plays for the game, those, those two would stand near the top. Um, I know, Vahe, you and I were, were suggesting at the time that when they got to that third and two where Clyde Edwards-Alaire picked up the first down, that uh, that moved him from the, what, from the eight to the five or something like that. And we were thinking, hey, just, just play power football down here. Let's, you know, you get the starting offensive line in. They're, uh, they're trying to build chemistry and communication. Just, just have just three running plays. Let's see what they can do here. But I think it was on the next, the next play or the play after that was a touchdown pass to Byron Pringle. But, Sam, the, the offensive line is probably storyline number one for the game. Yeah, and I, I'm going to couple Clyde Edwards-Hilaire along with that because as much as we've talked about this offensive line being the new protection for Patrick Mahomes – because of the way the Super Bowl unfolded with the images of Patrick Mahomes scrambling the length of five football fields during that game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's advantage has sort of gotten lost in the shuffle here. And he gets, he gets to run behind this new offensive line. And, you know, in training camp, it's hard for a running back to stand out because the, the blocks aren't quite as physical as they are in real games. The tackles aren't quite the same as, as they are in a real game setting. So um, he was a guy that, you know, hasn't really stood out necessarily at training camp, but there's reasons for that that I just mentioned. Um, and so to see him run almost exclusively as a workhorse running back on those first two drives, uh, that was a point of emphasis for me too, because Daryl Williams has been getting a lot of run in, in training camp. And I thought maybe um, that the, the breakdown of, of how the Chiefs were going to carry this might be a little bit more even than what we saw last year, but it wasn't on those first two drives. So um, good news for the offensive line, but I also think uh, good news for, for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as well. And I would even throw in that uh, Jarek McKinnon might be the most capable number three back that they've had. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, Jarek McKinnon, you know, if, if he fills that sort of Le'Veon Bell – uh, LaShawn McCoy role of the last two years, he's more effective than those guys at that stage of their careers. Um, obviously, he's coming off of a knee injury uh, that he had to have surgery on twice. And last year was his first year back from those and cost him two seasons with the 49ers. And he said last year was just getting his feet wet again. And that this year he feels like he's fully back for the first time in the offseason. This last offseason is when he's felt like he's back to his old self. And what you saw uh Saturday night against the 49ers was what you we've seen all throughout training camp with Jerick McKinnon. He's absolutely going to be a factor in this offense. And he was on special teams as well, making making tackles. So um yeah, he, he's he's absolutely a um you know, he, he's a 53 man uh, uh, for sure. Um let's stay with the offense for a little bit. I, I know look, the the first team guys didn't get a lot of snaps. I haven't seen the snap counts yet. I, I guess that that's on the way, but um, they needed, you know, guys who probably could have done a little bit better with their snaps. I would put McCall Hardman on that list. Uh, just the one target went behind him. Looked like his arm was held, but uh, but still, um, I, I thought he could have come up with that ball. Yeah, his arm arm was held, and um, he didn't get his head around in time, though. So I think that was more the air, and it's not like it was a quick play. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked for a while before he settled on McCole Hardman's drag route there. So um, I, I do think that could have been called Olden because his arm was being held, but also his, his head's got to be around. He's got to be looking for that football sooner. I'm glad you mentioned that point, Sam, about getting the head around because I do think as we look at the whole package of, of McCole Hardman and, and you've you've both seen a lot more of this than I have this, this fall and especially you, Sam, but 
I, those are the kinds of things that are the, the nuanced aspects of the position that I, I'm not convinced are, are happening the way you want them to happen to this point. And I realize that's, we're just talking about one play, but in, in looking at the game and looking at, you know, Byron Pringle having a couple of nice, nice little plays. Um, I got looking back at some of the plays, highlights of Byron Pringle's career before. And we all remember that play at, at Detroit a couple of years ago. And the thing that stands out about that play is stuff like that aspect of, of receiving, like he was right in between two receivers, turned his head right when Mahomes was throwing. There's something between them that I feel like is kind of promising and that I, I, I find myself feeling frustrated by Hardman um, yet again. And even, even in this case, when it might not be completely his fault, I just, I guess I, I, I need him to prove something to me. You know, McCall Hardman's had a much better camp than what we've seen from him in the last two years. Um, but, you know, he's obviously a, a guy that's talked about a lot and for all the right reasons once Sammy Watkins is off this roster. I mean, that's the guy who has the talent to fill Sammy Watkins' snap counts last year. They, they're a different style of wide receiver, so I don't think he can fill the role that Sammy Watkins has as far as the underneath possession receiver. He's going to be a guy that's more vertical. Um, but – he's the guy that should be getting more snaps once Sammy Watkins is gone In training camp. He's looked the part. Um, so that is, you know, Baha, you mentioned it's just one play and Blair, you're the one who brought up the play. It's just one play, but we need to see on the field what McCall Hardman has shown in training camp. There's been a lot of talk from Tyron Matthew, from Patrick Mahomes, from Eric bien about the fact that McCall Hardman has showed up more mature. That's a word that they use with him um, that he seems ready and willing to take those snaps that he feels like he should be that guy. Um, but it's, it's, it's got to translate onto the field. We've, we've got to see it in production. But you, you wrote about Byron Pringle after the game, uh, caught the touchdown pass from, um, from Chad Henney first chiefs touchdown since the AFC championship game, by the way. Um, so uh, <laughs> a nice, nice touch on the, nice touch on the pass from, from Henney and um, look, I, I have been a Byron Pringle fan ever since he's been on the Chiefs and um, you know, former K-Stater, just a guy who's just a try-hard, work-hard guy who's – I think his targets will increase. I think his production will increase this year. Um, I didn't see him – Sam, correct me if I'm wrong. He, he is their ret- kickoff return guy, but I didn't see him back there. It was Mike Hughes – who actually had the good game as a, as a kick returner. Yeah, Mike Hughes is a guy that Dave Tobe told us is, is going to surprise some people on the kick return. So I think he's going to he's gonna mix in there somewhere. Um, I still think McCole Hardman is going to be their primary punt returner, and Byron Pringle could be their primary kick returner. But, um, you know, we, we've seen Dave Tobe mix and match based on, uh, you know, it's, it's so in the weeds, but there's certain teams that defend kicks and punts a certain way where they might want a guy that's able to make guys miss as opposed to a guy who just runs straight ahead. So I don't think it's going to be the same guy at those positions every single time, like we've seen in the past with this team with McCall Hardman and Tyree Kill Harris. I liked the, uh, I think it was a one kickoff return in particular from Hughes. He was really the aggressor on people trying to tackle him. I mean, it looked like <laughs> they were going to pay for, for trying to take him down. And that, that, that stood out to me. That was, I think about a 40 yard return. Wasn't it, Sam? Yeah, because he took it from what nine yards deep in the end zone and got to just out, just past. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you. Well, that was the other thing. Yeah. Well, that's how you increase the kick return average. Is you you take them all out. 
Well, what stood out about that, too, was that that was not one of those where he got back there and got behind it and had some momentum running into it. He was on his heels catching the ball in the back of the end zone and just like, well, this is an opportunity. Let's go. No need to down a kick in the in the end zone. Um, just bring, bring them all out in the preseason. For sure. preseason. Yeah, you can't make the roster taking on me. No, no. Um, let's let's stay with the offense for one more thought. Um, we've gone this far without mentioning the outcome of the game. The Chiefs won the game, nineteen to sixteen, and they did so because Shane Bouchelle led them on a, a game-winning drive. So Shane Bouchelle's first game-winning fourth quarter game-winning drive in preseason action um, kept it uh, on the RPO one yard for, for uh, a, a touchdown with about a minute and 15, I think it was a minute 19 when he scored. So um, I guess there is a, there's a battle for the third quarterback, right? Um, Anthony Gordon, Shane Bouchelle. But I think the bigger question is do the Chiefs keep three quarterbacks or does the third one go on the practice squad? Yeah, I think it's a practice squad situation. I mean, if, if we ever get to a point in the season where we're debating whether or not they should have kept Gordon or Bouchelle, like this team is in quite a bit of trouble. Um, but I, I don't see them keeping either one of those guys on the initial 53. Uh, you know, if somebody picks one of them up, they're able to pull the other one. I mean, they Bouchelle operated as kind of, quote unquote, the third string for the first week of camp. And then Gordon surpassed him and he's been getting a few more snaps. There's some drills where only three quarterbacks get the snaps rather than all four. Um, that's the only way you can really tell which one seems to be the third string. And that's why I say Bouchelle sort of started that way and Gordon sort of took over. That drive probably <laughs> propels Bouchelle back to the third spot. But like I said, if we're if we're any point in the season debating which uh, which one of these guys they should have kept or wanted to keep on the practice squad, then we're probably not talking about a playoff team. I was uh, uh, kind of disappointed to see Noah Gray not come up with that catch early in the in the game. Um, here's a guy who you know has had a good camp, known for his hands, and it was the heady pass was behind him. It ran up his shoulder a little bit, but uh, you know. But it left, you know, it left his possession and was uh, intercepted. It was uh, the only turnover for the Chiefs on on Saturday night. So um, I imagine Noah Gray feels pretty bad about that as well. Um, okay, let's let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll switch to the defensive side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell talking the Chiefs and their exhibition opener. I guess we don't call them exhibition games anymore, right? They're just preseason games. Used to, they used to be exhibition games. Um, they beat the 49ers 19-16. to 16. Uh, we, we, you know, we mentioned uh, Mike Hughes on return. Uh, you know, the, the, the reason the game was 19-16 to 16 and the 49ers had a chance to tie it with a final possession was because Harrison Butker – who was drilled a 52 and 46 yard field goals and came up just short on a 62 yarder hit the upright on an extra point after the, the, the final touchdown on the Shane Bouchelle keeper. What is it about Harrison Butker and extra points? That's he, what is he, he missed five or six of them last year. And 
he just seemed to have it going on on Saturday night and doink this final one to, to keep things in. You know, if there'd been a regular season game, it would have, you know, changed the changed the complexion of the final drive. Yeah, something Harrison Butker mentioned this training camp when we talked to him was that um, the best kickers in the world don't necessarily have a better leg than some of the guys who aren't in the NFL anymore. They're just able to get past the rough spots more quickly mentally. Um, and, and sort of implying that he put himself into that group. And the one thing that he did not have go well last year was the, the yips on extra points. I think it what you say, Blair, six or seven misses last year? Yeah, it was like five or six, I think, yeah. So, I mean, of all misses that he could have had, I think it would have been better for him to miss a chip shot 25-yarder than an extra point, um, just because that's what he struggled with last year. And um, you just – I, I, it's just an exhibition game, but the kickers exhibition games and, and regular season are all the same. And so I, I think it's just, it's, it's not necessarily a great omen that we saw him hit, hit the uprights on an extra point. I, I know we've drilled into this a little bit, but help me remember. I mean, the, the, the only change we really know of uh, in his routine has been the holder. Um, the last two seasons, his numbers is, Point after, is, I don't know if he was perfect, but he was pretty darn sharp before last season. It, it, am I remembering this right? I mean, and how much is that part of this? Well, I think the fact that he does so well with field goals, though, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't really lend credibility to the holder being the problem. Yeah. Well, if he's still drilling field goals, but just having problems with extra points in the short ones. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, and speaking of the holder, Tommy Townsend, what a get a good <laughs> Had a terrific night. I mean, yeah. about a 66-yarder that goes out of bounds at the half-yard line, and I think he averaged about 54 yards on seven punts. So, good night for – good start of the season for for Tommy Townsend. Um, hey, so the defense, um, you know, we're all looking at uh, Chris Jones initially, right? He's played outside but, but moved inside on third downs. Um, came up with a sack uh, the, the first time that uh, – um, that Trey Lance went down as an NFL quarterback. It was courtesy of Chris Jones. And um, so, look, I, he, he didn't stay on the field very long either. I thought defense overall pretty good. And, Sam, um, I thought that the defensive front was overall was excellent. Yeah, the, the defensive line dominated the game, especially the interior of the defensive line. You mentioned Chris Jones. His sack came from the interior um, they had five sacks. Tim Ward looked really good off the edge, and I think he's had a good camp too. I think he's going to make it tough for the Chiefs not to keep him on their initial 53. Um, but I've, despite them getting five sacks, I, I thought a guy that didn't have any sacks was one of their best on the interior, and that was Colin Saunders. And, you know, he's a guy that spent most of last year hurt, and then when he came back, they weren't even dressing him, uh, you know, on game days. And I thought the first week of camp, Colin Saunders really struggled and just sort of got lost in the shuffle. And the last week or so, he's been really good. Um, he got, he's even got some snaps with the ones. You know, Derek Noddy's been out a little bit. So Colin Saunders is the guy who filled in. And I, he's just taken a massive leap forward in the past seven to ten days or so. And so um, you always want to see it, it come together on the field if it's coming together in training camp. And I, I, thought, I just thought he had a great day. Uh, Saturday, like I said, even though he wasn't one of those guys that had the sacks. Yeah, look, um, so th there's there's some depth there, right? With, with Reed, with Naughty, um, yeah. they've got some they've got some guys in the middle. Yeah, um, Turk Wharton too. I, I mean, he's an underrated guy, undrafted guy. So we talked about him last year, just his story. I mean, just making the roster was an accomplishment for him, right? Because he didn't get drafted. 
Um, but he's going to be a factor. He's got some quickness inside that I think a lot of interior linemen aren't really uh, accustomed to playing against, usually accustomed to playing against strong physical guys. And Morton can be that, but he's also got some elusiveness and some some quickness that I think a lot of guys in the interior don't have. I made Omari Cobb my player of the game. I thought, you know, he had a sack. Um, yeah. You know, was really, I thought, really active. And here's a guy who, you know, we talk about linebackers, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about them, especially the newcomers, Nick Bolton and uh, Willie, you know, Willie Gay, who didn't play last night, but Bolton, uh, who started. But Amore Cobb, nice, really nice game from him. Yeah, there ha we haven't seen a ton of him in training camp either. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see him flash in the game. I mean, of course, he'd rather flash in the game than camp, right? But um, he's not a guy that we've consistently been pointing out in training camp, like look at the evolution of Amari Cobb. Um, so I'm interested to see what kind of week he has. You know, we, we've got three more days in St. Joe left, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and I'm interested to see if, if we see him get, you know, some looks maybe more with the twos than, than what he's been getting. Especially with, you know, the only injury they had uh, was Darius Harris had a hand injury. And so that's the guy who's been playing a lot with the twos. So maybe Amari Cobb gets some more snaps this week. Okay. You mentioned the, uh, the interior of the, uh, of the defense and I, that, that, led to the, the one turnover, the Armani Watts interception. There was pressure on, uh, on the quarterback, and Armani Watts got but, uh, set playing center field and, and got an interception to end a, a 49ers drive. All right, so where do the Chiefs go from here now in terms of playing time for starters? They've got the next two preseason games are uh, on the next two, are the next two Fridays, right? They're at the Arizona Cardinals this Friday home to Minnesota the following Friday. Um, what, what do we expect from in terms of playing time? We're going to see the starters take more snaps. I mean, Andy Reid laid out a plan that, uh, you know, obviously the oddity this year is you've only got three games instead of four. So what do you do? How do you change around what you've been doing? And Andy Reid's answer is he's not going to change anything from what he typically does in the first three games, which means the game that they lose is the game that we've seen all the backups play basically. Um, so that, you know, the backups are going to have fewer snaps, and therefore typically that would mean that the starters play a little bit more each game. By the game three, you know, you're seeing the starters play a half, maybe even the first drive of the third quarter. Um, but I should couch that and say, say that we were told Patrick Mahomes would play a quarter last night and he played one drive. So um, I think that the starters will play more. I don't necessarily know that that means that Patrick Mahomes plays a lot more. That, that's a question, and, you know, Vahe can weigh in on this, but, you know, Justin Herbert's not playing for the Chargers the entire preseason. Pre so I, I think it's a question of how many snaps does Patrick Mahomes need in the preseason, especially coming off of a year where he didn't have any and finish runner, you know, third in the MVP. It is funny. I mean, just, you know, and I, I think Patrick kind of gets on automatic pilot about some of these answers sometimes, but, but the point he was making and in, in looking back at some of the press conferences in the last week was that basically he just wants to be able to get out there and, and see if he can communicate properly, get him in and out of the huddle. And you could make a case that's really all he needs to get out of the preseason period. Um, I, I'm sure, though, they'd like to have some sense of timing things up a little bit and uh, synchronicity on plays against actual opponents. Right. I mean, there's. They're not going to get exotic, but I, I think limbering up is probably a worthwhile thing for him over these next couple of weeks. The, the most important thing, I think, for him, to, to your point, would be 
Um, he's talked in training camp about just the timing with Orlando Brown as far as he's had conversations with them during practice, after practice of, hey, you want to block the guy in this direction because this is where I like to sit in the pocket. And that location is different from the guy that Orlando Brown blocked for last year, Lamar Jackson, of course. And so that's the part where I think that, you know, the Chiefs defensive players are well aware of what Orlando Brown is working on as he transitions from a new team, but also from right tackle to left tackle. And therefore they can exploit some things that um, I just wonder if, if there might be some benefit to Orlando Brown blocking for Patrick Mahomes in a preseason game. And I think that's the most benefit that Patrick Mahomes can probably get out of these three games. Great point. They spent a lot of time on the sideline talking to each other. Did you notice that? They had a uh, training camp a lot. We've seen those two have a lot of conversation. Now, Orlando Brown, based on his uh, press conferences, would be about the easiest guy in the world to have a conversation with. But <laughs> we've seen those two guys have a lot of conversations. I also noticed, uh, you know, Trey Lance, the, the um, we've got to go back and, and mention his 80-yard touchdown pass. Um the um, uh, unfortunate just defensive laps by a player, Sam, who's been having a pretty good training camp. That was, that was kind of tough to see. Yeah. Um, two guys, really. I mean, Mike Hughes doesn't uh, cover his guy initially probably as tightly as he should. Um, it's hard to know exactly if Mike Hughes screwed that play up because he is definitely expecting the safety help from Devin key, which he does not get. And, and Key's the guy you're talking about, Blair. He's been an undrafted rookie that's played a lot with the twos. He played with the twos last night. We sort of anticipated that that means he's going to make this roster as an undrafted guy the same way Turk Wharton did last year as an undrafted guy. Um, you know, Armani Watts missed some time, but uh, he's a four-phase a four special teamer, one of their very best special teams guys. So I still think he's part of this picture. And therefore, where does Devin Key fit in? And for all the work and the, the instincts that they've talked about with him at any time his name's brought up, he made just the complete long read on, on that 80-yard touchdown route. A, a good ball from Trey Lance, of course, but that guy just never should have been that open. He's, he should have been double covered on that play. And I will say that Key did make the tackle. Um, you know, we, we mentioned the, the Tommy Townsend punt that went out at the one or half-yard line. Well, the 49ers on the first snap, Lance uh, completed a 35-yard 35 35-yard uh, strike, and it would have gone for 99 yards. Juan Thornhill slipped, and and, and Devin Key was the only uh, the only chief that could prevent a, a length of the field touchdown, and he did that with a good open field tackle. So, bad moment there, good moment for Key in the um, you know in, in that uh, on that play. So, okay, guys, um, good stuff. Great catching up. Uh, you're both heading out to Phoenix and uh, to watch the Chiefs on Friday. Look forward to talking to you after that game. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks for our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to stories about Saturday night's preseason game can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website, and of course, they are posted first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And it is a great time to subscribe. 
Read about what's going on with the Chiefs as they prepare for their second preseason game. The Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That is kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, features, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. Thank you.